Warning, this week's episode contains fuck. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by our patrons. Thanks to each and every one of you, old and new, for making our dreams come true. Oh, that was actually... Uh, Please kinda, send us cocaine. Nice. Okay. Or naked pictures. What? What? Hello, I'm Paige Converse from the Cup of Words podcast. I named myself after my favorite shoe company because I've abandoned conventional morals and embraced materialism as a way of life. You see, that's what happens when you realize that we did indeed evolve from filthy monkey men. It's May 30th. And it's my bucket has a hole in it day. Is What? Why? No idea, but I Why will literally never think about anything else ever again. <laughs> I have no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Ted Cruz's New Jersey. What? No. Oh, Cincinnati <laughs> Swing State. And good husband Georgia. This, he went to Princeton, is the skating <laughs> On this week's episode. Ben Carson is pretty sure trans people can turn into cars, so they don't even need to be in a homeless shelter. <laughs> Ken Ham's Ark Park finds out their insurance has a very large deductible for sweet, sweet irony. And Alabama will make an exception if you promise only to abort the gay fetuses. But first, the diatribe. One of the main reasons religion is so appealing to humanity is that we all have this ingrained, deep sense of the importance of fairness, and we live in a world that isn't remotely concerned with it, right? We want things to be fair. We inject it into our stories and our myths. We, we try to impose it with our laws and our rights, but for some of us, that isn't enough, so they try to retroactively insert it as a starting condition of the universe. And if you don't examine that tendency very carefully, it can seem like that might tend you towards morality, right? If we convince ourselves and one another that the universe is just, it'll push us to be more moral because we're going to know that if we act out of accordance with justice, a divine retribution will counteract that in the future. But humans long ago learned why this falls short. Hell, the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, is all about that. It's all about how bad shit sometimes happens to good people who don't deserve it. Now, of course, Job recognizes the problem, but it falls way short of seeing the solution. Right, the hypothesis it offers is that there is some kind of divine fairness and justice. We're just too feeble of mind to comprehend it. At least that's what it says if you read Job generously. And I'll admit it's hard to be too generous with a book that has God bragging about opening the doors of Leviathan's face in it. But in a lot of ways, it's just a verbose rewording of God works in mysterious ways. Of course, the presence in their own book of a counterargument doesn't stop Christians from clinging to this belief about divine justice and fairness, just like the guy who says that God works in mysterious ways doesn't hesitate to later tell you what God would do given conditions A, B, and C, right? And so, comforted by this delusion of universal justice, they can ignore the plight of everyone but themselves. And that's the key. See, the real world is random. There is no God. Nobody's up there making sure we all get a fair shake or, or that we all get what we deserve. And you'd think the existence of people born without the ability to see or hear or walk would be all the evidence you'd need of that. But religions can construct bizarre rationalizations around those things easy, right? In the East, that's a punishment for some sin of a former life. In the West, we don't do a hell of a lot better. God just has a special plan for that person that requires that person to suffer a little more than most to fulfill God's design, which isn't fair or just, right? 
The whole construct should just fall apart there. And if it was being held up by logic, it would, but it isn't, so it doesn't. And it doesn't because they don't want it to. After all, life's easier when it's fair. I mean, I guess some of the time, maybe you employ this when you're on the bottom of the unfair, right? Like you can look at the asshole boss who has more money and more prestige than you, and you can say, ah, but he's going to get what's coming to him eventually. And, and, And that's problematic, of course, because when you count on an invisible space wizard to rectify injustice, injustice goes unrectified. That seems pretty obvious, but it doesn't really matter because we don't count on that, right? When it comes to the administration of justice, we don't count on God to take care of it. Vengeance is his and all, but we like to give him a head start where we can. In fact, the more Christian you are, statistically speaking, the more punitive you want the justice system to be. Even though you're one of the people who thinks God's going to see to it that everyone gets what's coming to him anyway, which would be odd if one were under the impression that people cling to this delusion because it helps with people who are more fortunate than them. But that has never been what this is about. Right. Ultimately, the slights against us, the injustices that we're on the receiving end of, those are too heavy to move with this flimsy theological broom. We seek retribution for them regardless of our religious beliefs. But the slights going the other way. Right. The, the ones where we have the unfair advantage, those ones are way easier to sweep away. That person who has less intelligence, less education, less money, less loving family and less physical abilities than us. Sure, they got it rough now, but, but you know, God's got a plan. He's going to sort that out eventually. And in the meantime, I might even buy him a coffee or donate to the shelter they live in. And really, you know, that's more than I need to do because God's going to take care of it anyway. And he must have done all of this for a good reason, must have a a purpose in letting him suffer so much. So I'm really going above and beyond by even giving a shit. And I'm going to be honest. Look, I'm sympathetic to the need for this bomb. I am a ridiculously privileged person. I mean, I'm white, straight, cis, male, American. So there's all of that. But beyond that, look, I was born to two parents that loved me and took care to educate me. I've been pretty much healthy all my life. I was lucky enough to meet an amazing woman early on in my life, marry her and live happily beside her for decades. More often than not, I've had jobs that I really enjoy that paid me enough to keep the lights on. Hell, I'm 43 years old. I still have my hair and I can eat all the ice cream I want without getting fat. It's not fucking fair that I have it this easy. And then I look out my window and I see this broke ass jobless town where the median household income is 27,000 bucks a year. So given all that, it's hard to look around at all the people less fortunate than myself and say, yep, system seems to be working just fine. I can afford to take a vacation in California with all my best friends and somebody in this town can't afford their insulin. Looks like we've nailed society and now I can enjoy all these advantages guilt free. And that's where God comes in. Right. God is rarely enough when it comes time to say, ah, well, I guess I'll just have to suffer with the pain of my disadvantage. But he's plenty enough when it's time to enjoy the advantage you have without all the attendant guilt that should come with it. And that's always been the problem with God in a nutshell, isn't it? His myth is never quite strong enough to get you to the answer you don't want to hear. But it's always strong enough to get you to the one you do. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the lucky and Ned to my dusty Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to get this show a me going? For the listeners under the age of 40, The Three Amigos was a movie about three white actors yelling, I carumba, and how that was a movie in the 1980s. <laughs> Thank you. And I ended up being Martin Short, which I'm not happy with. <laughs> I, at least I got, I took Chevy Chase on myself, right? I wasn't going to do that to you guys. So many women have said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> not really. In our lead story tonight, 
religion is destroying marriage. Hmm. I mean, look, I don't really give a shit if marriage lives or dies because my relationship with Lucinda isn't defined by contractual obligations anyway. Bragging. (laughs) But it is my understanding that a huge swath of this country gets crazy (laughs) exercised about this shit. So, you know, rabid defenders of marriage that are only in this for the sanctity of this storied social institution and totally not because they hate gay people. The state of Alabama is a governor's signature away from doing away with state marriages altogether because of religion. So, fuck, you know, sick balls, chopper. (laughs) Great. Senate Bill 69. Gay people are coming. Everybody lick all the marriages. (laughs) Yes. It really is Senate Bill 69, by the way. I oh, is it really? Make up a number on that. I feel like this is only because the governor of Alabama can't make us eat a whole bag of marriages. Am yep. I wrong? Yeah, right. We'd have to smoke the whole pack. So, yeah, this is the latest compromise between bigotry and stupidity to come out of the nation's forced birth capital. Apparently, a bunch of Alabama probate judges were going to have to learn a whole bunch of new endings for the I now pronounce you sentence. And that freaked them the fuck out. (laughs) So instead of saying, oh, good, because non-bigots are better at judging anyway, like a good state would, Alabama sympathized with the bigotry and decided the only solution was to do away with state marriage licenses altogether. The bill, which has already passed through the Alabama legislature, would take away the requirement for a marriage ceremony so that a judge doesn't have to endorse the marriage. And instead, couples would just pay a recording fee, not a marriage license fee. And the state would file away a thing that says, sure, married, whatever. We don't care. Yeah. St. Peter's all about the uh, technicalities and loopholes. That's the good thing. Yeah. Uh You guys are fine. You must be sleeping so much better now. You're all going to heaven. You're doing God's work. Well, yeah, because now this means that the next level of Christian fake oppression is going to be Kim Davis 2.0, whose morals won't allow her to click a box on her government-issued 1995 Dell computer. Yep. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And look, I can think of a hundred really solid reasons for a state to actually pass a law like this. Right. Like there's a host of good arguments about why the state. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) No, but like the state and the federal government shouldn't be any more involved in marriages than they are in any other contract. But Alabama was careful not to put forward any of those arguments and instead hung this on one of the thorns sticking out of Kim Davis's crown, justifying the move with references to the religious reservations of the probate judges in question. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, fine, nobody gets any salvation. I hope you're happy. <laughs> he literally did, though. Oh, shit, he did. He yes. literally did. So, yeah, they, they were asked to desegregate the water fountains. So they did away with water fountains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like. Hey, the health inspector's coming. Throw out literally all the food in the restaurant. Yeah, right, and we'll right. Pass. And that's literally how every restaurant I worked at handled it. That's <laughs> good to so know. So bad. They're just throwing it in the garbage. Afterwards. Don't check the garbage. Uh, they turned yeah. the uh, supposedly sacred right of marriage now into the equivalent of the forms you have to fill out at a new fucking doctor. And once again, the substitution game works perfectly well if you substitute the term sincerely held religious belief for bigoted spite. Ooh, ooh, make uh. it spy. <laughs> <laughs> and in transient living news tonight, Joe Biden is an uninspiring dino stooge with a hugely problematic history, both personally and professionally, which is why I have installed a voting lever in my home 
so I can practice voting for him if he wins the primary anyway. Oh, that and was a I'm, good purchase. Yep, and I'm pleased to announce I recently managed it without biting through my mouth guard and cracking my teeth. So, good. progress. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, Joe Biden. Remember when he was just a mascot to whiten up Obama? <laughs> yeah, standing next to him and... Even though Obama was so clean to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> but then Biden was there. It was fun. And then, like, at the end, he was just, like, booby-trapping the Oval Office before Trump got there and smiling about it. <laughs> yep. And Obama was like, Joe, come on. And then he was voting to overturn Glass-Steagall and deregulate banks and silencing Anita Hill. Fuck! Okay, can you send me one of those levers, Yeah, too? I'll send you one. I just, There's, I and a mouth guard. On I'll need a mouth guard. Can't get you that. Come on. Um, But... We did get a reminder of why that practice is so important this week when the Trump administration announced that it's now going to allow federally funded homeless shelters to deny services to trans people. See, there's the trick, guys. I don't remember when Joe Biden did that. See? He didn't do that. It's no, true. he did not he did do it. that. Nope. He didn't. And he wouldn't. So the policy in question is the Equal Access Rule, which was established in 2012 to, quote, ensure shelters and programs do not discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity, end quote. And while Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson assured House lawmakers there was no plan to change or alter that policy, he thinks a mortgage is a kind of shotgun, and so it turns out <laughs> he's also a liar. It's the thing. So... Right. Plus, he could reclaim his time and alter the past at any moment. You <laughs> <So we laughs> never know. <laughs> Do you mean gauge like a shotgun? More gauge? Yeah, that works spells in the typing. Because I was like, maybe, the, yeah, more No, it doesn't, it doesn't work in the typing. So I thought nope, I, if not, I mispronounced it. that, yeah. But uh, I feel like <laughs> Ben Carson's best defense here is that nothing he does rises to the level of cognition required to truly be lying. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm. like those studies they did on mm -hmm. babies. So <laughs> according to the abstract on the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs Office of Management and Budget website, which Eli peruses regularly, obviously, the new policy clunky title. Yeah, really, really clunky. <laughs> the new policy would allow shelters to, quote, establish a policy consistent with state and local law by which such shelter provider considers an individual's sex for the purpose of determining accommodation within such shelters and for purposes of determining sex for admission to any facility or portion thereof. Uh, I don't like the persona of the guy who is doing Me the neither, website it's been voiceovers. The, I'll do it, Ben. The proposed <laughs> rule permits shelter providers Thank you. to Good consider switch. a range of factors <laughs> and make it such determinations, including privacy, safety, practical concerns, religious beliefs, any <laughs> relevant considerations under civil rights and non-discrimination authorities. The individual sex as reflected in official government documents, as huh. well as the gender which a person identifies with, end quote, which... If you didn't pick it up uh, during that long quote, is fancy talk for if you think trans people are crazy people playing pretend, you can endanger <laughs> their safety and well-being and now still receive federal funding. <sighs> yep. Yeah. So Biden might not be a high IQ individual, you know, stable genius like Donald Trump and his Twitter troll buddy Kim Jong-un, that other <laughs> stable, stable genius. But... I'm pretty sure Biden's less of a bigot. So, Joe Biden 2020. Pretty sure I'm less of a bigot. Great slogan. <laughs> Great. Cool. 
Well, it only works in a general, but yeah, if he gets that far, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and in easy to catch a cab news tonight, as regular listeners to the podcast will remember, it's a little hobby of mine here on this show to occasionally remind you that all churches are bad, not not just some of the churches, all of the churches. Yeah, without Eli, we'd probably um, never get around to mentioning that. So thank you. Thank for, you. Uh, yeah. No, we're finally doing an Whoa. atheism show. <laughs> <laughs> well, my ever-expanding Rolodex of evidence for that got one more card when the New York Police Department's 77th Precinct announced this month that there will be no public parking on the streets during summer events inside the Co-Cathedral of St. Joseph you. in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, God damn it. Hold on, though. Uh, isn't it a basic tenet of Satanism that you have to camp out on public parking spots near churches <laughs> to block Christian people for spite? Won't this violate their satanic free exercise? It, I don't know uh, if this is allowed. It, just it is now. Uh, so, yeah, just just a reminder. St. Joseph doesn't own those streets. Nope. They are they are public roads and it is 100 percent illegal for the New York Police Department to shut down a street for a privately owned space. Especially when that space doesn't pay any fucking taxes. They, they yeah, less it's legal less than, Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Whose streets? Nope. Nope. Yep, sorry. You, know, it's, I, it's well, you get what I'm saying, though? And, and yep. We got to emphasize this, too. This is New York fucking city. Yeah, New York. Well, Macy can have a parade somewhere else. I need a fucking park city that they're doing yep. this in. Yep. And, and <laughs> Amen, what's brother. striking about this story is how totally normal it is, right? If this were any other private institution shutting down a public road using city police, everyone would lose their mind. Seriously, if you don't believe me, pause for a second at a green light in New York. Yeah. Just pause. Just check your- <laughs> but hey, this is part of a, a tax-free child and rape cabal. You got stabbed. So <laughs> what are you going to do, right? Like they're having a barbecue. Also, just quick reminder to add on a little bonus here. A church existing anywhere in the five boroughs and not paying any real estate taxes automatically undoes any good they could possibly do. Right. Even if it wasn't a Catholic church, the sheer tax revenue they are denying the public by not paying taxes on a huge structure dedicated to not truth to nothing Brooklyn is enough to make them a bad thing. It's enough. Yeah, yeah right, right. Like, they could stop raping children and stop lying, and they would still be a net bad. That's so bad, it's impressive. Right. So, again, just one oh more God, for the true. kids in the back. All churches are bad. All of them. All of them. All of them. And to reinforce that point, we'll take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It's a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. All right. Well, these goddamn abortion bills were bound to make me sick eventually. So sorry I was out last week. But as I'm sure you noticed, misogyny didn't take a week off. So I'm back and I'm bringing a theme with me. Probably the most important theme a segment about misogyny could possibly have at this point in history fighting back. See, when you're backsliding as fast as we are right now, keeping our foot on the gas can seem like a waste. Hell, legislators right now are undoing shit our great-grandmas fault to put in place. So what's the point? Well, the point is that when you fight, sometimes you lose. 
but sometimes you also don't. Take, for example, our first story of the week out of California. You might recall a story from last month about the University of California at San Francisco teaming up with a Catholic hospital called Dignity Health. And because it's a Catholic hospital, that dignity thing only referred to straight cis men. So College Campus in San Francisco decides to team up with a hospital known for anti-LGBT discrimination. No surprise, there's a public outcry. And this week we learned it was an effective one. In a statement released on Wednesday, the college announced plans to scrap the partnership altogether and said in part, quote, the decision reflects concerns that had been raised among UCSF medical professionals and advocates for women's health care and LGBTQ advocates, end quote. So, yeah, good guys made some noise. College backed down. But what if you're not in a liberal state like California? What if you find yourself fighting injustice in a red state shithole like Indiana? Well, in that case, you might need some help. And for that, we'll have to turn to the Satanic Temple, which is now an officially recognized religious organization according to the IRS, and thus entitled to RIFRA exemptions. And wouldn't you know it, Indiana has a damn expensive RIFRA law. So yeah, the Supreme Court upheld an Indiana law that would require the cremation or burial of fetal remains in yet another effort to make the procedure more onerous. And despite the law serving no secular function, and in fact serving the opposite of that, the SCOTUS decided it was okay. But according to the seven tenets of the Satanic Temple, one's body is inviolable and non-viable fetal tissue is part of the body of the woman who carries it. And since religious people don't have to follow laws, women in Indiana are encouraged to join the Satanic Temple at their earliest convenience. But that can't work for everybody. After all, the Satanic Temple can't be everywhere fighting every fight. So what can a woman do when there's nobody to help and no liberal government to step in? Well, for that, you might just need the power of boobs. And this leads to my favorite news story of 2019 so far. Not that there's a lot of competition for that honor. It comes to us from Israel, where hundreds of ultra-Orthodox Jews clashed with police in protest of a song contest being held on the Sabbath. Because that's the kind of stupid shit that they think is worth blocking streets and attacking cops over. So they made a general nuisance of themselves until a couple of women in the crowd realized that they had the solution hiding right under their shirts. So they took them off, obligating all of the Orthodox protesters to flee in terror from the sight of an exposed bra. (laughs) And now that everybody's feeling good and empowered, I'll kill the mood by handing things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in the whole vagina guards news tonight. What? Pope Francis (laughs) White Male just can't stop comparing abortion to hiring a hitman, which... Is weird when you're the head of an international crime syndicate, right? right? Like, yeah. like calling someone a bad cook when you work at Ruby Tuesdays. And you're also running a giant network of kid fucking out of that kitchen of the Ruby Tuesday. And yeah. they're a good cook, right? Like, it's, it's <laughs> like the pot calling the kettle black if the kettle wasn't black and the pot was raping a teacup. Nice. I like that. Festive. <laughs> Now, and a human child. some of you might be thinking, wait a second, did Eli surprise Noah with another vacation? And did he alternate sitting by a hospital bed and doing his full-time job for a straight month again? I think I've heard this story, but no, no, Noah's fine. He got most of last Friday off, so he's actually great for like two years. Well, most of so you know. last Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, so this story is familiar to you because he got in trouble for saying the exact same thing Last October, that abortion is like hiring a hitman. All right. Uh, now I just want to see the staff at Planned Parenthood all dressing up like uh, like 
Assassin's Creed to fuck with the protesters. <laughs> just parkour in their head. <laughs> just always dropping into a pile of hay by the front door when they arrive somehow, like dropping off a tower. See, I was going to go Jules and Vincent, but I was also thinking of the wonderful costuming possibilities at Planned Parenthood. Oh, were you thinking? <laughs> I am of never the- thinking blackface, if that's your question. Okay, that was fine. definitely his it, question. It was. Yeah. So, given the amount of time he's brought this up, and you know, because he's the good pope, I have an alternate theory. I'd like to propose maybe Fran tied disestablishmentarianism is just like putting feelers out for hitmen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude has a lot of witnesses he needs to silence. A lot. I, I so. got to say, I, like, I've never hired a hitman or gotten an abortion, but I feel like they'd be wildly different tasks, right? At least in terms of the number of insurance forms. I feel like it would be a distinct kind of thing. Not legality in Alabama, but insurance forms, definitely. And in no fucks to give news tonight. One of the drawbacks about being a vocal atheist is the knowledge that if there turns out to be a Christian heaven after all, and by some clerical error or technicality, we wind up there when we die, we have an eternity of I told you so's to suffer through. Of course, until now, we've been able to console ourselves with two equally comforting facts. First, The likelihood of the Christian religion turning out to be right is orders of magnitude smaller than the likelihood that a stray bacteria in the mayonnaise will have evolved into a hyper-intelligent ooze bent on world destruction, and I still don't hesitate to open the mayonnaise. Secondly, it would be heaven, right? So the people who are saying, I told you so, would be doing so from the next spot over at the blowjob fountain. (laughs) Plus, those people would have spent their entire lives not enjoying all the you know, mixed fabrics and weird fuck stuff. So I'll be saying, I told you so about the fabrics. About yeah. The yeah. Mixed fabrics. Also, we literally had fun for infinity plus however long we lived. So we win. Yeah, we there win you go. Forever. Well, but see, here, here's the thing. It turns out that we can't take as much comfort from the latter bit as we thought because we learned oh. from Christian writer Greg Morse that there is no sex in heaven. But don't worry, there's something better than sex, which... Sounds like bullshit. Like if my wife said, no, I have a different idea. It's better than sex. I would be skeptical. But to be fair, Greg Morse only has sex with Greg Morse to compare things to. So a lot of things are probably better than sex. So anyway, here's the hilariously impotent attempt to write pretty words about Jesus. Quote, all that is sweet in human marriage to my co-heir on this earth will not be ultimately lost, but transformed. The new depth of intimacy I will have with my Lord and every other saint, including my spouse, will look back on the caterpillar of earthly joy with fondness, but not longing. And this makes marriage and the intoxication of sexual intimacy all the sweeter now. Fuck you. End quote. Creed would read that and be like, boo, learn to write. It just sounds like Greg Morris wrote a poem called uh, It's Not Gay If Your Dead Wife Is There. I, like, that's what that's. Like. I yes. like it. I like it. But I don't think he really hit the messaging he was going for. That's true. So, yeah, when I hear that quote, I hear two distinct possibilities, neither of which are particularly appealing. Uh, one is that in heaven, you and your partner just end up playing Pictionary with God and the saints and his eyeball monsters every night. And he keeps saying stuff like. See, this is way better than boring old sex, huh? And you have to agree because you're a guest and you don't want to be thrown in hell. And the other side of the spectrum is that you just have these wild mega orgies of ultra sex all the time. And at a certain point, you have to have that awkward, sometimes I just want to come conversation with God. Either way, 
I'll take hell and be happy. Listener, if you are not picturing a black sheet party ready god in a ball gag sadly walking away from Noah, you're not the woman I married. So just... <laughs> and finally tonight, in Sunday, floody Sunday news, we have my favorite headline of all time, I think. <laughs> yep, we think did it. This is we my did favorite. It, everybody. It's fantastic. <laughs> Ken Ham's Ark Encounter theme park, home to a 510 foot long replica of Noah's Ark filed a lawsuit against their insurance company last week seeking additional payouts for damage to their property that was caused by flooding. Flooding! It was caused by flooding <laughs> because God is a secular humanist and he wants me to be happy. This is I love almost this. as good as if Pat Robertson so got much. AIDS from a secret ring needle that a straight person was wearing, right? Got it. I Understood, it. Noah. Wink. <laughs> Wink. Yeah. So this... Really, really, really happened. I can't stress this enough. <laughs> Starting in May of 2017, the Ark Park's home of Williamstown, Kentucky, got several months of heavy rain that led to flooding in the area. And at the time, Ken Ham's just looking out the window thinking, I fucking nailed it. This is great. <laughs> Gonna float to Israel while I fuck some sheep and fuck my daughters, just like God intended. Life is good. But then the rain stopped, and the only major result was a flood-induced landslide that damaged the access road to the park. And according to the lawsuit, it cost the Ark Encounter's parent company about a million dollars to fix it. It actually yep. says that in the official filing. About a million dollars. Oh, give or take. <laughs> cost us like a million fucking dollars. Pro hoc vice mare closum. Stop laughing. Okay. <laughs> but their insurance company was like, wow, that sucks. Uh, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Here's a few thousand dollars. Please sue us for this. Please sue us for flood damage to your Ark Park. Please, please do that. And here we are talking about the greatest headline ever. They did it. It's, it's like if Pastor Manning got arrested for jerking off in a Starbucks bathroom. It's so good. <laughs> and one other detail. Against all odds, the story gets even better. So the Ark Encounter found out from their insurance company that despite what it says in the Bible about the creation of the universe 6,000 years ago, water and gravity are actually pre-existing conditions. Ooh, so, wow. yeah, but they sued anyway <laughs> for flood damage and everyone obviously made fun of them immediately. And in response, a spokesman for Answers in Genesis released an official statement that said, quote, there has not been a flood at the Ark Encounter <laughs> themed attraction. Just some ongoing rain two years ago that caused a hillside to erode, but no flood. That's all. End quote. Stop laughing, Laura Mepsum. <laughs> it's like if Ray Comfort had to get a banana surgically removed from his rectum, but they couldn't do it because it fit too perfectly. I'm sorry, I'm done. I'm done. Now. Understood. Wink. <laughs> and uh, here is my favorite part about this story. This all means that Ken Ham was in the middle of building an exact copy of the only floating object in the world that survived the biblical flood, in his head anyway. And during that time, he got sold flood insurance by the greatest <laughs> goddamn salesman who ever lived. Like, Allstate was having their office Christmas party 
and a room full of salespeople were getting wasted together and they were like all right let's do some prank calls I don't know. <laughs> and one guy was like all right no, no i got a perfect one i got the perfect one hello ken ham um as you know better than most acts of god can be rough everybody shut up shut up shut up sorry sorry Sorry, as I was saying, acts of God can be rough. The answers are right there in Genesis. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> Don't be loud. I'm closing this. Uh, sorry, again, sir. Um, loud office. So I'm not sure what day it was, but God created irony at some point. So you're going to need <laughs> some flood insurance. And it worked. It worked because Ken Ham's a liar and he fucking knows it. Yep. And he bought flood insurance while he was building a replica ark. And with the assurance that if there is a God, he's apparently on our side of this thing. We're going to close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, the Mormons will be even whiter than you remember. Over on God Awful Movies, we're about to kick off Mormon Movie Month in June, but coming off a exploitation movie as we are, Mormon movies were seeming a little shorter than we like them. So in honor of Mormon movies not being quite as long as some other people's movies, we're pleased to present another edition of God Awful Minis. So Heath, tell us, what will we be breaking down today? We watched Where No Flag Burns. It's the story of Brigham Young University, where Dunning-Kruger meets eugenics. <laughs> a lovely place. And Eli, how bad was this mini? Well, if you love pyramid schemes, but you wish they came from Nazis on Twitter, you will love this movie. It's kids these days don't even want to trade their money on promises, damn it. The movie. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, right. No, that's the opening of the fucking movie. Kids these days. And I, I wrote it down <laughs> in my notes as kids these days. Old people during all the days, right? All the days. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so they're opening up on these scenes. What they want is scenes of hippies rioting, right? They're like subversive activity and rioting and everything. But what they actually show us is peaceful protesters being beaten by police officers. Yep. Yeah. Footage of cops beating the shit out of peaceful protesters. That's seriously what's happening. They're just like, all right, we're going to come right out and say it. The bad guys in our movie are the students for a democratic society. <laughs> yes, and the good guys Fuck are the ones dragging that. them around by their scalps. Democracy? Really? <laughs> Boo, nerds. Yes. Look at these heroes instead in riot gear, shooting tear gas, yes. clubbing these academic terrorists. You know, and your bullets. arm gets really tired when you hold a hose that long, so... <laughs> Watches our intrepid hero is forced to drag a woman by the hair. This by hurts him more than it hurts her. <laughs> that, that we literally watch a woman yes. dragged by her hair by the, quote, good guys in this movie. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, they're demonizing the woman being drugged by the hair. And I love the demonization, too, because it's so fucking random. He says, subversive activity, rioting, and destruction of university property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, violence plus that graffiti ain't going to come off with one scrub, y'all. Someone Jerks. has to be paid to do that. I loved yep. that chair. <laughs> now, what do you what do you think is causing all this? Probably atheism? <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah, it comes up and is like, normal law-abiding citizens worry about the lawlessness and the atheism of it all. Wait, what? Hold <laughs> yeah. on, what? Also, we should point out that this is the only... 
BYU made film that didn't begin with a, by the way, we don't believe any of this shit anymore warning. They are standing by (laughs) where no flag burns. (laughs) Yep. So the message we have so far, uh, Martin Luther King is a bad Christian. Yeah. Wait, that feels wrong. No, we're leaning into it. Next scene. Yeah. That's that's what we have so far. If he was good, he'd be more delightsome. But luckily for us, there are, yes, there's a lot of riots and a lot of hippies and everything, but there are still overwhelmingly white places in America, too. Welcome to Brigham Young University, where you can tell nobody's rioting from these aerial shots. Of Provo, Utah. Real quote, <laughs> like a fresh breeze out of the West. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, real quote, founded by the top patriarchal man. Yep. Yes. Brigham Young. A beautiful patriarchal man who founded the university. They actually say that. And then it's like, watch as all these women stay in their lane. Just watch. Yeah, right. And they're showing us women, like for a while. They're like, no, 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 seriously, we're going to make you watch a bunch of this. Look at them being <laughs> subservient. Look at them staying in their lane. Yeah. Look at look at these streets, our streets. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. And, well, and he's, he's talking about how great the students are at BYU. And he's like, he's, he's, he's not saying, look how white they are, but he's hinting at it. And he, I love the part where he's like, uh, and our students don't try to escape reality through fanciful trips on mind warping drugs. And it's like, yeah, you're Mormons. <laughs> yeah. Your minds are pre warped, bro. Also, yes, they fucking do. Well, I too. personally yeah. know a guy who made a bunch of money selling drugs at BYU. That's, a yeah, bunch. Yeah. <laughs> so much he might have gone to jail. <laughs> he also calls them neither unwashed or immoral. If this movie has a theme, except for the pyramid scheme it's trying to sell you, we'll get to it. It is that hippies smell bad. I, yep. I didn't realize what a focus smell was. On hippies <laughs> until I saw this. There's really, Honestly, there's really a lot of emphasis. You don't know any hippies, and that's the only reason <laughs> you didn't know that. That would be the thing you'd be focused on, let me tell you, Eli. <laughs> um, but what, what I love about this, okay, so they're selling us BYU, and it's the polar opposite of the diversity video from 97% of 97% white schools today, right? It's just like they're hiding the... No, no, stay behind the pillar. Stay behind the pillar. They're filming. (laughs) This place has so little diversity, they all wear the same brand of glasses. (laughs) Yeah. And and the school's like, normally it would be like some Latin motto about learning. Theirs is like, the free market's fucking great. Yes! BYU. This movie will double and triple down on like, these young people believe that free enterprise is the best answer. Yeah. (laughs) You just... You just take a supply curve and a demand curve and then you point at the middle and everyone's happy again. Everything is fixed by the free market. That they th- That's their theory. Yeah. No, right. No, we have a big thing for invisible hands. And, I, and, and then <laughs> they give us the whole like, and our students love the fuck out of America. Look at them pledging allegiance and singing America songs, huh? huh? <laughs> so, yeah, so we watch kids salute the flag solemnly for a minute and then it's back to this nauseous aerial like that's from they, they've got a helicopter that has a hand cranked rotor or something <laughs> that they're taking this from it's bouncing all over the place the cameraman is vomiting you can hear it oh. anyway this is where they point out that they don't take any fancy government handouts yeah we're all about free enterprise so we we refuse government handouts all the time 
most of our money comes from a giant tax-exempt organization called the LDS Church. <laughs> yeah, so, right, right. No government. Well, Wait a minute. you know, and we're so dedicated to free enterprise and our policies against interracial dating that we've refused to take any government money. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love, too, that they're like, and by the way, we could totally get away for charging more for our college like real colleges do. This is ba- as good as the more expensive colleges. We're just super nice is all. We're still one of the top universities in the country. No, you're not. Okay. Yeah, top, top what? Top what? Yeah. <laughs> There's a number. There's they, an answer. They also drop a little mystery in here that I, I would like your help solving. They say tuition is only one third of the money a student spends. What? Well, of, of, of what it costs to educate of what, them. Of their expenses, yeah. Because yeah. the other two thirds is covering up the suicide, I'm confused. <laughs> Segregation ain't cheap, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> a lot more expenses to cover after that tuition third. Yeah, but but yeah, that's that's when this thing reveals itself to be a BYU Kickstarter video, right? It's like, but we sure could use your money too. <laughs> right. And. This is where I realized, oh, my God, they're selling whole life insurance by another name. They really are. This is BYU reverse mortgage video. <laughs> it, it, that's not an exaggeration. No. That's literally that's what, literally what they're doing. Yeah. Yes. They're like, yep, we run a giant tax shelter. <laughs> yes. So, again, technically not a handout. You just never pay the money in the first place. So, you know, <laughs> they don't hand it back to you physically. So, not a handout. Yeah, yeah right, right. Exactly. Okay. And so- then they explain it. And they're like, here's the magic. You give us all your money and property. And that's how it works. Sorry, I couldn't yep. follow that. I need a numbered list. Uh, and then if you find four friends to give all their money to you, those four friends do the same thing. <laughs> well, now that's very complicated. So to really understand this, we're going to need uh, to get to know a down-home, hard-working rancher named something hyphen something probably. Uh, let's examine the humble farmer, a man with calluses on his hands and a wife who looks like old fruit leather. <laughs> He's also a very sophisticated investor. His name is Willard Dirt Clump, the hay mogul. With a, with a family-owned business valued at just $300,000 in 1960. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Just a couple bucks there. Um, and boy, are they tired of their $300,000 in assets. But capital gains <laughs> will eat them right up if they sell. Now, I this is, the, this is the movie's actual answer to that. It's like, if you sell all your property, you'll have to pay capital gains tax. But what if there were no gains? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Also, during this montage, as they're explaining this, there's this tiny moment, which I love so much. They're showing them working on the farm, and she brings him a glass of milk. And the look on his face is just like, milk, really? You think I wanted milk right now <laughs> or ever again? After just seeing it come out of that cow <laughs> yeah, penis finger. exactly. Thank you. Is that not crazy? Do you immediately drink the milk that you just moments ago squeezed out of a teat? Like it's, if you're a smelly hippie, maybe, yeah. Like, but no, we like, pasteurize I, that like the, shit. The vineyard owner trying a grape in the, like the little you know commercial for their vineyard. They have a little taste of the grape. I get that. But like. We're just watching fucking Wilford Brimley sucking straight from an utter mouth right on it. Like, that's weird. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're they're farming, and then a guy shows up, this clean-cut white guy from a 1950s toothpaste ad shows up to tell him about the BYU reverse mortgage. And I don't they I don't think they ever give the character a name, but I'm gonna guess it has the letters B E A U in it altogether <laughs> somewhere. Okay. 
This is literally how the conversation goes. Hi there. Hi. How'd you like to give your farm to BYU? Yes. (laughs) Yes. No small talk. He's literally there to sucker the family farm out from under elderly people. Hello, everybody. For one easy payment of... (laughs) $300,000. We will take your farm. Yes, that's it. That's it. He says, you're not giving your farm to BYU. You're investing it in the education of future Mormons. (laughs) But here's the best part. He explains the thing, right? You give me all your shit. We give you a salary. How much? Not $300,000. That wouldn't make any sense. (laughs) We will give you an amount of money. And he explains this whole thing. And they're like, yeah, and then you could write it off of your estate, which you don't have anymore because you gave it to me. But you could do that. Yeah. He explains it. And then he immediately turns over a pad of paper, which has exactly what he just said on a bulleted number list. (laughs) Yes. Which he then goes over again. (laughs) I know. And again, keep in mind that the whole message as we've been getting it so far is we love America. Now, let's show you how to fuck it out of some money. Right. (laughs) Right. Isn't that what dodging your taxes are? Okay. well, so Willard and, and, and Ellen did give BYU their farm ultimately. But what if you don't have a, a farm? Well, for that, we'll have to look at the case of Edmund Steele, who only had stocks they could screw him out of. Yep. He had a mere $78,000 to gain from selling his stocks. There had to be a better way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got his stockbroker going like, he's like, I have $100,000 worth of stock. I'd like to sell. And he's like, well, you'd only get 78000 after the capital gains tax. And he's like, oh, I don't want this. He's like, well, if if you give it all to BYU, you won't have to worry about Having $78,000. No, we was also, there's this amazing little moment right before he pitches him on the reverse mortgage where he goes, what do you know about BYU? And he's like, well, just their excellent sports program. I hear their track team. Am I really saying track <laughs> yes! team? Yes! I hear their track team's doing great. Come on. I hear, he says, I hear their track team is going to be good this year. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> what? This guy follows college track? During the preseason? <laughs> Is he listening to podcasts about that? What the fuck's happening? That's crazy. But yeah, so he explains, you know, you know the 25% capital gains tax. And Wilford Brimley's like, well, doesn't Mitt Romney pay away less than that? And it was just like, shh, you're old. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> Couldn't I just hold the stock until the year is up and pay less than that? Shh, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> Can you tell me the amount of the salary that you're talking about? No. And scene. I can tell yeah. you exactly the capital gains tax, though. I, <laughs> I love that they're, they're talking to these old people, too, and they're like, we'll pay you a salary for the rest of your life. And yeah. these, they're like 80 years old. This guy, 80-year-old guy turns to his wife, the rest of our lives. Doesn't that sound good? Al-? She's dead. Okay. No, she's dead. <laughs> you're, you, she had a life expectancy of negative two. That's that was unfortunate. All right, so Edmund Steele did give his stock income to BYU. So you can do it whether you're a farmer or a stock investor. But what if you're a Jew? I, we I have mean, New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah. I got so mad at this point. I saw the New York skyline and I was just like, fuck you. Stay the fuck out of New York City. God damn it. Yeah, but they oh. found a, 
a New York couple who had an apartment they owned in New York, but they didn't want to give their money to one of those flag-burning colleges. They were concerned by the anti-American attitudes of certain university professors. All right, all right. None of those universities were founded by a person who actively warred against the U.S. government. Just going to throw that one out there. And, and, and also they're talking about this, this couple that ultimately gave a million dollar apartment to BYU. And he's like, and the best part of it is we use their name in this video. Seriously, that's literally the best part of the million dollars. What if everyone in this movie could fuck themselves to death? Seriously, because they were like, yeah, we crunched the numbers. Uh, so you guys have this million dollar apartment here in Midtown Manhattan in 1969. Those property values are going to tank. You should just give that <laughs> yeah, right. right to us. We'll take Fuck that off your you. hands. Jesus. God damn it. Best of all, if the church puts a fucking Jesus bobblehead inside, they can fuck New York City out of the property taxes on this enormous, extremely, extremely valuable building. So the the video realizes you might be getting a little skeptical at this point. So it's like, but if you don't believe me, announce a guy. Just ask this professional uh, announce a guy that isn't me. Right. No. This is where they uh, they introduce Paul Harvey Hartman Paul Hartman Hartman. Yeah. OK. Um, anyway, he's a professional news guy or something, and he was super impressed with BYU. But Paul Hartman wants to kick in and tell us how impressed he was by the, the student body and their, his words, subtle dynamism and contagious enthusiasm. That's what made them different. It shows all white people. That's how they were different. What is subtle dynamism like? Subtly dynamic. <laughs> Sorry. Subtly dynamic. Like, I don't know what. Also, this is where we get to the code of conduct. <laughs> okay. I, look, I know we don't tell you to watch the movies along with us a lot. This movie, it's on YouTube. Everyone associated with it is, is dead. You must watch it. He starts to talk about the code of conduct and then is immediately screaming. I can't. It's the best. He's just like the code of conduct is very clear about how they will conduct themselves at Brigham Young fucking university. I am not subtly dynamic. Not even slightly subtle. There's no subtlety to my dynamism. Um, yeah, so he starts screaming like fucking Dan Carlin reading a quote or whatever. <laughs> just, but just randomly, like mid-sentence, and then he'll quiet back down. But at, at any rate, so and he's telling us all about how good all of the kids at BYU are and how they don't do anything unbecoming of a good Christian, read butt stuff. And, by the way, at BYU, they don't commit suicide either. They cured suicide at BYU. That's true. You just don't talk about it and don't keep statistics and it's not a problem. Sounds inaccurate. He actually does this weird sort of doublespeak thing where he's like, a lot of people say that, um, you know, that if you're too hard on these kids, they will kill themselves at an unprecedented rate to the extent that you actually have to block a government inquiry at one point. But that's that's bullshit. That is bullshit. They are taught by precept and example. I'm shouting again. I am shouting again. Yeah, he actually says... Exact words, students don't mess around thinking about ethics. That's been done for them. Yes. That's a real quote. They were exact quote about a virtue of a university. (laughs) And then he and then he goes nuts again. He starts describing the like big mass that they have where everybody's singing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, 15,000 kids in one auditorium, 200 musicians and coming. I'm coming. It was beautiful. (laughs) 
And then, okay, now we get to actually hear from this guy at the podium, right? So, first, he looks like post-Chernobyl dad from the 70s show. He gets up to the fucking podium, and he's like, boy, are we not like them filthy hippies, am I right? The hippies with their acne and their porn. Nick (laughs) DeFada really stole a lot of his material from this. (laughs) Oh. Right, because... The first line he says when he gets up is, now this is a demonstration. None of that black civil rights movement stuff. Literally, he literally says, now this is a demonstration because he's referring to the sit-ins of the civil rights movement. Negatively. Compared to the demonstration of privilege that we're watching at BYU. (laughs) What the fuck is a white Mormon guy in Utah going to protest? What would that even... Yeah. Right. Well, and that's the whole the whole precept here is he's going like, oh, see, this is just a, a gathering of uh, of normal Americans. The lamestream media would never cover a demonstration like this. And not just because it's boring and in no way newsworthy. Like, imagine the balls on this guy to think that I'm talking to people should be in the New York fucking times to begin with. This is literally what he describes newsworthy as, quote, a handful of beatniks with dirty beards hiding terminal acne could parade up and down with <laughs> pornographic signs and real quote, and the news would cover it. But like, that's his vision of the civil rights movement. Yeah. Acne? Yeah. Terminal? Like terminal death acne? acne. <laughs> As you can see, my skin mask is blemish free. He is terrifying, by the way. The, the balls on him... To, to suggest anything about facial issues yeah. is amazing. Yeah. You know how you listen to us making fun of people's physical appearance and then you Google me and you're like, ah, jeeper, this guy has nothing on me. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. <laughs> and then, and by the way, his whole bit here, his whole tight five is apparently taking hippies are gay jokes from Governor Ronald Reagan, right? Governor <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Here's the actual joke. He's got hair like Tarzan, acts like Jane, and smells like Cheetah. It's racist and homophobic and sexist. <laughs> yes. He goes, did you hear Governor Reagan's definition of these hippie types? And I wrote in my notes, please don't let it be bunch of fags. And it basically <laughs> was. Absolutely. It basically was. What does Jane act like? What did that mean? <laughs> Effeminate. Effeminate. He was, he was okay. girly. You see, gay. yeah. Okay. I mean, hippies do smell bad, but like the other parts yeah. were weird. Yeah. Well, they have hair like Tarzan too. No, it's just the Jane yeah. part. And he also he says a you know, and again, still quoting from Governor Reagan, he says they carry a sign that says "Make love, not war," and appear incapable of either. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. I'm gonna go fuck my 12 year old wives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we won't acknowledge that black people have souls for a few years, but a few, I, four I years, we can all yeah, agree years, that Bernie Sanders can't fuck. Um, and, but, okay, but here's the, like we're in the middle of a BYU pyramid scheme pitch, and it just stops to have a guy go hippies, bunch of limp dick effeminate wimps. If you ask me, anyway, back to giving us money, right? Like it serves no function. So, as I was saying, fuck the blacks and the gays. And uh, now let's get back to some timeshares in Provo, Utah. Yes, yeah. And then we wrap it up to America the Beautiful playing in the background. More of that (laughs) nauseating goddamn aerial shit. I will think about these college kids until I die. 
that's the end. Yeah. That's, that's what he's just like, really want to fuck these kids? Sorry. <laughs> shining Kind of ran out of time there. Thought I'd be able to end on something else. Out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, the thesis statement of this film is, we get it, Christians, you're scared of us, but you're less scared of us than you are of black feminists. <laughs> All right, so I guess the closing question for this bit is obvious. If our listeners have a quarter million dollars worth of cows that they're looking to come off of and they don't want to give the money to Uncle Sam or anti-science homophobes, what should they do with it? They should donate them at patreon.com forward slash scathing atheist. Now accepting cows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed that, Manny, be sure to check out the full-size variety over at God Awful Movies. And when we come back, I'll hyperventilate again. Before we close the curtains tonight, I want to remind all the patrons that we're going to be live streaming the first ever Puzzle in a Thunderstorm Pajama Party on Saturday, June 8th. We're going to start at 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to run for five hours. Don't worry. That doesn't mean keeping Eli up past his bedtime. We're going to be on the West Coast for it. He's training for staying up till 2 a.m. So if you're a patron, look for that link coming soon. If you can't make it live, we're going to try to record everything and post it for you, but we can't guarantee that you'll get all of it. So come hang out with us if there's any way that you can. Ask us questions. Listen to Anna sing. Watch us play Fuck, Mary Kill. Issue a few truth or dares. Watch us eat s'mores. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. And if you're not a patron, just, you know, do whatever it is that you normally do on Saturday and we'll hang out Thursday. That's fine. Anyway, that's all the blast movie we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday and an even newer episode of our half sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, I want to thank Heath, Eli, and Lucinda who normally get individualized thanks, but I need to save room in the outro. You'll see why. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people. Biggest list yet. Here we go. <sighs> Emma, Bevan, Evan, Revan, Taryn, Karen, Logan, Jason, Jasmine, Justin, Jordan, Lauren, Cameron, Susan, Mara, Proxy, Fox, Quiznos, Demon, it's her random quote here, Elizabeth, Timothy, Eli's wife, Mary, Down, Samantha, Holden, this may more clothes than most, Chris, Rhonda, Greg, George, Kelly, Susie, Charina, CBZ, Eliah, Dougal, Teresa, James, Terrence, Zach, Andrew, Paul, Sean, Shutter, Puppy, I'm a good citizen, Zacharias, Richard, Randall, Meese, Grace, Brandy, King, Torm, Two Finger, Joe's Parole Officer, Kate, Jen, Hamel, Potto, Mestress, Esquipedalian, Marvin, and Ella, Commander, Rikers, Luscious. I can't do it! I can't do it. We found one I can't do. I'm sorry. Here I go. Here I have second half of it right here. Commander Riker's Luscious Beard, Lefty Conspirator, Eric, Chad, Joey, Chicks, Michael, Jeff, Mayumi, Rachel, Nick, Chris, Hadari, Matt, Buck, Tucker, Adam in the North, Cosmo, Esteban, Travis, and Emma, Dale, Vex, Malachi, Lee, Osco, Michael, Ariel, Skystrop, Adrian, Danny, Kristen, Will, Soma, Daniel, Madeline, Kim, Tar Tim, Carl, Ron, Adrian, Radical Liberal, Amanda, Mag, 0119, Big Black, Cockatoo, Zaki, Zaki, The Heretic, and Landfair, Quill, Chin, Will, Goggery. Give me a fuck man whose generosity was literally too much for me this time i am literally overwhelmed by it i'm sorry i tried a number of times and it's really hot in here and eventually morgan just gives up on me and he says damn it dude just do it twice so i had to do it that way together these 105 ferocious fuckers made me lose my breath and i've never done that before i've never been more happy to fail it's not that there's a lot more than the last couple of lists it's just that i couldn't cheat by lumping all the dans together i didn't have six dans or daves this time also somebody decided to oh my name's hippo 
Papadopodamonstrosescopedalian. That didn't help, or that bizarre series of letters I tried to pronounce at the end. But for what it's worth, no matter who Eli married, he was going to marry down. All right, come on. Anyway, you can give us money too if you want. You can make a per episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad free version of every episode, or you can make a one time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media. Our audio engineer is Morgan Clark. We also wrote all the music that you used in this episode that was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. Damn it. What's the black sheep party? Mm-mm. Google <laughs> it on your own time. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.